the thief comes not except to steal kill and destroy i have come that you might have and enjoy life life in abundance until it overflows discover how to live the abundant life in christ through the ministry of pastor ose yao afuakwa pastor afuakwa is the general overseer of faith house charismatic chapel international a thriving ministry in kumase ghana god has commissioned him to preach and teach the word of faith for people to know god better live life better and impact their world better get set for an empowerment that will enable you to live a life of all-round victory success and limitless prosperity god bless you as you listen come with me to the book of second corinthians chapter 2 verse 12 second corinthians chapter 2 verse 12 furthermore when i came to Troas to preach christ's gospel a door was open unto me of the lord this month may god open strange doors for you in the mighty name of Jesus. Revelations 3, 7, and 8. Then living, New Living Translation. Revelations 3, 7 to 8. And write this letter to the church of the, the church of Philadelphia. This one is not to the church of Philadelphia. This is to the church of Faith House. This is a message from the one who is holy. Say it, holy. A message from the one who is what? True. The one who has the key of David. What he opens, no one can close. May he use that key in your favor. May that key be used in someone's favor. Let your amen be loudest. Then verse 8, it says, I know all things you do. First, God tells us about who he is and his abilities. And then he goes on to establish that he said before he can close and no one opens and when he opens, no one shuts. But he says, I know all the things you do and I have opened a door for you that no one can close. Take note of that. I know all the things you do and I have opened before you a door no one can close. Let's look at how the King James puts it. The King James says, I know your works. Somebody say, I know your works. I know your works. And behold, based on the credibility of your work, based on the results of your work, based on the things you are doing, which I'm very much aware of, I have said before you an open door. This month, God has called it a month of opportunity. That is what it shall be for you impossible doors will be opening for you in the mighty name of Jesus. So, in all our teachings, we'll be showing you scriptural key and I'll be teaching on initially, when I was preparing for the month, I thought I was going to teach on a couple of things. But the more I prayed, the more I felt that I should just place this key in your hands. Because if you can master this key, all other things will sort themselves out. Because it's God's principal key. When you master that key and it becomes a part and parcel of your life and it doesn't just become an occasional thing you do, but it's a natural part of your life. Then you can walk practically in the promises that accompanies it. I'm teaching on part one, maximizing the opportunity to win souls. Maximizing. Somebody say maximizing. Say it, maximizing. 
maximizing the opportunity to win souls. Maximizing the opportunity to win souls. Soul winning is one of the uncommon privileges God has given us. It is an opportunity that delivers like none other. The returns are much less. Nothing you can desire can be compared to the profit or the proceeds that comes from a life dedicated to drawing multitudes to the Lord. When we talk about soul winning, what exactly are we talking about? Soul winning is a divine opportunity to partner with God in reconciling a lost world unto himself. That's a divine opportunity. God gives you and I so we can partner with him to reconcile a lost world unto himself. The whole world is lost. The Bible says the whole world light in iniquity, in, in wickedness. First John tells us. Then we are told in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 18 to 19. He says, all things are of God. Everybody is made by God. All things are of God. Who have reconciled us to himself through Christ Jesus and has given unto us the ministry of reconciliation. Then verse 19, he said, to wit that God was in Christ, reconciling the word unto himself and has committed unto us the ministry of reconciliation. He was not uh, imputing their trespasses unto them, but committed unto us the word and the ministry of reconciliation. Praise God. God needs the whole world reconciled to himself. In the beginning, he had fellowship with Adam. He yearns for that same fellowship with everybody. Those you like, those you don't like. Those you are familiar with, those you are not familiar with. Those you call your friends, those you call your enemies. Those who are family, those who are distant. God wants that union with everyone. And he's given us the privilege of partnering with him. And I see you seizing that privilege. Dr. Billy Graham said, the chief duty and privilege of the Christian is all winning. The chief duty. He calls it privilege. A man used by God to win so many multitudes to the Lord. Oh, the reason why he could go about writing books, go about holding crusades, preaching on radio, and bringing the gospel to everybody, no matter where they may be found, was because he saw it as a privilege. What do you see as a privilege? Is it working in Flagstaff House? Is it a visa to travel abroad? Is it an opportunity to work with the UN? What do you see as your greatest privilege in life? I know all of us have things that we look to as privileges. But this is one unique privilege not given to you by a president of a nation, but by the kings, king of kings and the lord of lords. I pray that we will come to the full understanding and revelation of it and walk in the fullness therein. Give me a believing amen. So when it involves three things. Number one, it involves intentionally. You can, you can put that for me. Add that one to it. Intentionally. It was not part of first service, but it's important. Intentionally reaching people for the Lord. Intentionally. Sometimes we want to reach people to the Lord, for the Lord, but it's not intentional. So intentional involves three things. Intentionally reaching people for Christ intentionally bringing people to Christ. Intentionally keeping people in Christ. Those three things. Intentionally. Reaching people for Christ. Intentionally. Bringing people to Christ. Intentionally. Keeping people in Christ. 
You have not won a soul until these three things have been accomplished in the life of a person. One, rich people in taxes, rich them. In your letter rooms, rich them. In your various fields of operation, rich them. Among your classmates, rich them. Anywhere you find them, rich them. Reaching them in they come to you for assistance by the time they are going. Anyway, are you born again? Do you have a relationship with the Lord? If you should die tomorrow, do you have a place with God? Intentionally. Not an afterthought. When it becomes a habit like that, reaching people consciously for the Lord. And then, bringing them to faith in Christ. You can speak to someone about Christ, but that may be it. You must bring the person to Christ. He says in John chapter 15 verse 16, he said, go, that is reach them. Then he says, bring them. Go and bring forth fruit. Go and bring... I, I, you have not chosen me, I have chosen you. And ordain you to go and bring forth fruit. Then he says, that your fruit may abide. So go, bring, and then keep. When we bring the people, we must be committed to keeping them. All through this month, we'll be doing various outreaches. But beyond that, we need to be committed to keeping them. Some of us, all that we need to keep somebody who has just joined church or just given his life to Christ in church is just be nice with the person. When we are nice with the person, or become the person's friend. But when you come to church, it's like all is about yourself. You feel too arrogant and pompous. You can't think of condescending and coming down to fellowship with somebody who is not of your type. By the way, what is your type anyway? How special are you? That you feel so pompous about yourself. The Bible said, what is it that you have that you did not receive? And he said, if you received it, why do you boast as if you didn't receive it? The Bible said, a man can receive nothing except it be given to him from above. So, you don't have any reason to be proud and arrogant. All you need to do is just to be nice with someone. Reach out to somebody. Becoming someone's friend has a way. In fact, church, church experts say that one important way most people get established in the faith and rooted in Christ is through relationships. Relationships. When we are nice with people. Most of the people who taught you many things, you may not remember them, but those who are kind to you, you will always remember them. Why? Because of the relationship. So winning involves those three things. Two reasons why you must win souls for the Lord. Two reasons. Apostle Paul saw so winning as a door of opportunity. How did he see it? Colossians chapter 4 verse 3. He said, without praying also for us. This was what Paul was praying. He said, pray for me and for this reason. That a door, God will open unto me a door of utterance. My prayer is not that I get a job. My prayer is that God gives me opportunity to save another person. That's my prayer. My prayer is not that I get a husband, though it's good, but my prayer is that God will give me an opportunity to share my faith with another person. What is your prayer? When we are doing prayer requests, what do you request? Among your prayer requests, do you request for the salvation of your unsaved brethren in your family? Your father, whose business you are taking over, is not born again, but it's never been a prayer topic for you. Apostle Paul said, this is my prayer that a door of utterance will be opened unto me to speak the mystery of Christ for which also I am in bonds. So winning 
You must win souls because it's one of the greatest opportunities you have in Christ and in life. One of the greatest opportunities. And you will not see it as such until you look and you look intently at John 15, 16. He said, you have not chosen me. I have chosen you. And I have ordained you to go and to bring forth fruit. And then, what's all, and let your fruit remain. Then he says, after that, whatsoever. Somebody say, whatsoever. You shall what? Ask of the Father. It shall be given. I know we have many things we want to ask of God. If you, gave, you had the opportunity to meet a kufuado, and they said, ask whatsoever. What will you ask? Many of us will ask all kinds of things. But so winning gives you an opportunity to meet God and ask him what you want. That, that is what I tell you. It is the greatest opportunity you can have. Because sometimes, some people will give you the privilege of asking what you want. But they lack the capacity to provide. Am I communicating here? Yeah. You ask them alright. They can hear you and hear you say, Oh, I really wish I could help you. But you know, at the moment, in the, in, under the circumstance, and then their grammar changes. Why? Because sometimes genuinely they would have loved to help, but they lack their capacity. But so when it brings you into a realm, you ask whatsoever you ask. Praise God. A few people had the privilege of asking whatever they wanted in scripture. Solomon, and particularly, in fact, in all cases, none of them was told what to do. They they, they, they sort of discovered what to do by revelation and did it and there was, it provoked a response. Yeah, none of them was told. But we have been privileged specifically to be told what to do to provoke it. Look at Solomon. Solomon, the Bible says, became king after he was uh, installed, after his investiture. The Bible said Solomon went to Gibeon, first king chapter 3, and sacrificed there. And something he could have offered one Bull as a sacrifice, he chose to use a thousand burnt offerings. Bulls offered them, and when he finished, the Bible said, In the same night, verse 5, the Lord appeared unto him and Gibeon, Ask what I shall give you. Is it different from what Jesus said? Talk to me. Is it different from what Jesus said? But he was not told what to do. He just sacrificed. He was supposed to do one bull. He said, Well, I will do a thousand bulls. When he did it, it provoked a response from heaven. Then we see Queen Esther. Queen Esther was, had the privilege of leading the nation at a unique and challenging moment in the nation, uh, of, in the history of the Jewish people. Then they said, let's pray. So they did fasting and prayer like we are about to do this week. And the Bible says of Esther, 5 verse 1 to 3. On the third day of the fast, Esther went in, put on her royal robes, entered into the court of the king. Just across. Give me the uh, New Living Translation. The king was sitting on his royal throne facing the entrance. When he saw Queen Esther standing there in the inner court, he welcomed her and held out the ghost scepter to her. So Esther approached and touched the end. Then the king asked, what do you want? What is your request? I will give even to the half of my kingdom. Can you see that? That's Esther. She engaged in a fast and the king who had the capacity to give not anything more than half of his kingdom. 
said, I will give you half of my kingdom. Now, God cannot just give you half. God can give you all things. Can somebody shout an amen? Amen. The Bible said, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. The silver and the gold are his. Most of the time, it's not about what God cannot give us. It's not about his ability to give us something. It's our positioning to receive what he has to give us. Most of the time, our positioning is wrong. So, when his hands are even stretched, we can't even receive. Because if I'm giving you something this way, and you are standing that way, you cannot assess from me. I'm not communicating somebody. So important. Esther assess it. Then we see Elijah. Elijah and his servant. And it came to pass, 2 Kings chapter 2, when they were gone over, 2 Kings 2 now, when they were gone over, that Elijah said unto, ask what I shall do for thee, before I be taken away from thee. And Elijah said, I pray thee, let the double portion of thy spirit. This is an, an incident where somebody was given this opportunity to ask, but when he asked, the man said, this one you are asking, I can do it. Look at verse 10. He says, verse 10. Then he said, thou hast asked for a hard thing. Nevertheless, if thou see me go, it shall be taken. If you see me when I'm taken, it shall be yours. But if not, it shall not be. But the New Testament, we see the daughter of Herodias. Mark chapter 6, verse 21. I'm just walking you through the how, how you must see that opportunity. When Jesus said that, ask whatever you want and it shall be given. Now, when a convenient day was come, that Herod on his birthday made supper to his lords, his captains, and all of his people. Verse 22. When the daughter of the said Herodias came in and danced, and pleased Herod, and them that sat with him, the king said, Ask of me whatsoever thou wilt, and I will give it. Are you following? Verse 3, 23. And he swore unto her, Whatsoever thou shalt ask of me, I will give it thee. Unto the half of my kingdom. Now, when Elisha asked, he didn't have capacity. I don't know what it is that you will call an open door. But in this month, if you will come on a spiritual frequency, you just suspend your prayer point and begin to pray for souls. I heard a couple's testimony. They have been praying for a child for a long time. Like five years, they've been married, no child. Then they got the mystery of soul winning. So they decided they will intercede for souls. They won't pray for a child again. Just about three or six months into that project, the wife conceived without knowing. She was on the right frequency. The Bible says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. You you can't beat God on that principle. You can never beat God on that principle. When God becomes your priority, your life becomes a living testimony. When God becomes your reason for living, the world begins to celebrate you on ending. That shall be your testimony. I said that shall be your testimony. So, soul winning is a great opportunity that we must all tap into. I like it when God did not limit it to only pastors or to only church workers. But he said, all of you, go into the word and preach the gospel because I want everybody saved. I want everybody saved. I want everybody saved. Number two, we need to reach out to the lost because God loves lost souls. God loves them. Somebody say, God loves them. Say, God loves them. 
serious. All of them. Your boss may not be saved. God loves him. In fact, most of the times, he so much annoys you and irritates you. And you wish you would just fall down and die. I want you to know God doesn't wish that for him. God wishes him salvation. God loves to see him saved. He longs for his salvation. There are people you resent, you can't stand. And you will do anything to part company with. But those are the people God wants to keep fellowship with. He loves them so bad. He loves sinners. When you see them, you see smoke. smoke. When you smell smoke, you smell cigarette. You smell alcohol. Those are the things that put you off. But when God sees them, he smells salvation. Praise God. You remember when the prodigal son went far away. By the time you are feeding pigs and desiring to feed on the food offered to pigs, I'm sure you'll be smelling some way. Praise God. Yeah. If that is a place you work, the smell will be on you. But when he came, the Bible said the father opened his arms. He was, I'm sure, dressed in his royal regalia as a rich man. But he didn't care. He just embraced him. Why? Because he loved him. God loves lost souls. And you cannot claim to love God. In this year, when we are talking about love, any claim of love for God without a commensurate love for the lost is fake. If you claim to love God, but you don't love your classmates who are not born again. And when they come to class and they are making all jokes, you walk out. Instead of drawing them closer to you and reaching them with the gospel. Your friends who, after work, instead of going home to spend time with their families, they rather want to hang out and drink. You call them all sorts of names in your privacy. But you've never prayed for them. I pray God will give you a change of heart. I pray God will give you a change of heart. Give me a believing amen, someone. How profitable is a business of soul winning? Soul winning is a business. Somebody say it's a business. It's a business and it's a big time business. Soul winning is a business as it's not any man's business but God's business. Jesus said, don't you know I must be about my father's business? How profitable? If it's a business, then it must yield profit. How profitable is soul winning? Soul winning is profitable for three people. One is profitable for God, is profitable for you, and is profitable for the world. If we are going to uh, maximize these profits, we need to know every time you win a soul, there's a profit you bring to God. Every time you win a soul, there's a profit you receive from God. And every time you win a soul, there's a profit you bring to the world. So, what are these profits? Number one, soul winning brings joy to God. It brings what? Joy to God. Luke chapter 15 verse 7 and 10. The Bible said, and I say unto thee, that likewise shall be, like, likewise shall be joy in heaven over one sinner. Just one. Somebody say just one. This month I pray you bring just one soul to the Lord. Amen. Just one. One. One sinner. He said, likewise there is joy in heaven. Jo- heaven goes into frenzy. Jo- there is jubilation celebration. In heaven, a party is thrown because one soul is saved. And you can't bring God joy and he will keep you in depression. It's not possible. Because give and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, press down, shaking together. So whatever we bring to God, he multiplies it to us. This month you'll be walking in multiplication of joy. Joy unending shall be your portion. Every sorrow and depression is cast from your life. Can somebody give me a louder amen? Number two, for you, soul winning 
positions you for speedy answers to prayer. He said, go, bring them. And then, after you have brought them, you will ask what you want and it shall be given. One reason why most of the time we pray, we pray, we pray, we don't see answers is because uh, we are not on key. Jesus said that you will ask and receive. Uh, you, you will receive when you pray in accordance with his will. Documented in the book of John. He said, and we know we receive the petitions that we have desired of him because we keep his commandment. What is the commandment? So winning. So winning. So winning. Once you are committed to keeping the commandment of so winning, Jesus said that you always hear me. He could say that. He said, you always hear me. Now you must hear me because of these people. But I already know you always hear me. Why was God always hearing Jesus? Because he was committed to soul winning. He was a soul winner from day one all through his life on earth. And I pray that it will not end with this month. But all through this month and the remainder of this year, may you be a channel for salvation. Give me a believing amen. Give me a believing amen. Soul winning. Number three. It's a principal key for global peace and quietness. So winning is a principal key for global peace and quietness. A lot of people think that there will be peace in the world. And I pray there will be peace. And we all pray for peace. But as long as men are not saved, there won't be peace. As long as Boko Haram guys are not saved, ISIS, they are not saved, Al-Qaeda, they are not safe. When you sit in a plane, you are not safe. Praise God. Yeah, I'm telling you. Every time you sit in a plane, if you are a global citizen, you know that you are not spared. Most of the time, when you hear that somebody was traveling, uh, uh, what do you call it? There is a uh, Boko Haram or ISIS. They have caused confusion somewhere. You, You think that it's so far from you. And it's because we are deceived. It's very close to you. That there's somebody, God forbid, close to you, happens to be on a plane where one of such hijackers will be on it. That's where you will know how close it is to you. Their salvation, they may be very far, but their salvation must matter to you. That's why he says, go into all the world. Don't just stay in Ghana. Go into all the world and make sure the gospel gets to every, because every time, that's what is happening. We cannot, UN cannot bring us peace. They've worked for over 60 years. They've not attained world peace. Why? Because until the prince of peace is the king and lord of your life, you cannot give peace to another person. The Bible said, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. How do you become a peacemaker when you don't have peace? You must have peace yourself before you can give peace to others. And the pathway to peace is when a person, the Bible said, having obtained peace, we having having been justified, we have peace with God. A lot of people are lacking this thing called peace. Praise God. And when you are very poor, you think prosperity is more important. But when you also become rich, you see that peace and quietness is more important. Praise the key. How do we win souls? All through the month, we'll be considering four things. All through the month, considering four things. One, we win souls by praying for the lost. We win souls by going and reaching, preaching to them the gospel. We win souls by 
giving for the gospel. We win souls by seeing to the establishment of safe people in, in Christ. These are the four major ways we win souls. By praying for the lost, by going and preaching the gospel, and then by giving to the gospel. Every time you give to the gospel, we've been on radio for close to 10 years, and every time you sow a seed into it, you are reaching people in parts of a world you will never get to. There are people who listen to us via tuning in many parts of a world. Doctor, uh, uh, what do you call it? Me, uh, you come here. He sent me a WhatsApp of a lady in the U.S. who listens to us. I've never been to the U.S. embassy, but God's word is getting to somebody there. Am I communicating here? And it goes through radio. And we didn't go on radio by chance. It's not that they like me or they like my teaching or they like the church. No. We pay. We what? Yeah. Every month, close to $1,200 goes to radio ministry. Am I communicating here? Every month. And every time you part with tithe, every time you give, you give a special seed to that broadcast. That's what you are doing. You are contributing to soul winning. Put your hands together for him. You are contributing to soul winning. Now, apart from that, People get saved and they must be established. Praise God. And when people get saved, sometimes we meet people, people get saved and they come from all kinds of backgrounds. They have all manner of addictions and they need to be helped through. What do you do with somebody who lives in a Muslim home and is born again and is being thrown out? Do you push him back into his home? You have to find a place for such a person to live. And all of that comes, the business of soul winning is a comprehensive business. And those who partner with God. That's why God doesn't spare those who partner with him. Not at all. Apostle Paul. While on these various expeditions to win souls for the Lord. Came in contact with all manner of things. But in all of them, God preserved his life. There were times they could beat him and conclude the man is dead. As soon as they leave him, he will jack back to life. Why? Because he, he, he mattered to heaven. God knew that his existence would lead to the salvation of many people. If something catastrophic were to happen to you and God was asked one reason why he should keep you alive, do you think you are worth that much to God? How many people can attribute their salvation or their relationship to the Lord to you? All you care about is your work, your family, my children. That's all that's in your mind. You have no time for God. You have no time for the lost. Those in your, your, your place of work, you don't care about them. Those in your home, you don't care about them. Those around you, you don't simply care. I pray that God will give us a change of heart. Listen, God did not limit this opportunity to only pastors or church workers. He gave it to every one of his children. If you are chosen of God, then God has already ordained you for the business of soul winning. And all of us can be involved. Praying, Reaching to people intentionally, giving for the gospel, and seeing that men are established. But in this service, my focus for the next few minutes is on praying for the lost. Somebody say, praying for the lost. Praying for the lost. Romans chapter 10, verse 1. Brethren, my heart's desire, this is Apostle Paul, my heart's desire, and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. My heart desire. 
My prayer, my passion, my cry for Israel is that they might be saved. They might be saved. The prayer work for soul winning is the work of all saints. First Timothy 2 verse 1 to 4. He says, I exhort that, that I exhort therefore that first of all, prayers, supplications, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men. Verse 2. For kings and for all those who are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. He said, for this is good and acceptable in the sight of God, who have all men to be saved. Somebody say, God wants all men saved. Oh, say it louder. God wants all men saved. God wants all men saved. China, men saved. Women, they saved. Pakistan, all men saved. If God is going to get all men saved, then somebody must be busy praying for all men. Am I communicating? Somebody must be busy praying for the salvation for all men. Salvation for all men. That's why he calls us to partner with him on the prayer altar. How do we pray for lost souls? We pray for all lost souls wherever they may be. We must pray for them wherever they may be. All lost souls. All lost souls. When we are praying for the lost, we must remember those in China. We must remember those in Navrongo. We remember those in Jasikan. We must remember those in any part of the world. Those we are familiar with, those we are not familiar with. All lost souls. Number two, we must pray specifically for lost souls who are in contact with us. Those we know. You know one of your colleagues at work is not born again. You know it. His comments, his speeches, the fruit out of his life shows it. What steps are you taking to get him saved? Pray for him. Look at your contacts, the people who call you, the people you are in touch with, the people you do business with, your classmates, your neighbors. How committed are you to their salvation? Number three, we must pray ceaselessly for them. We must pray ceaselessly for them. Five ways prayer works to bring salvation to lost souls. Five ways prayer works to bring salvation to lost souls. Number one, we said that prayer binds the strong man and frees his captives. Prayer binds what? The strong man and frees his captives. I touched on that in the first service. Satan is a wicked principality. In the book of Mark chapter 3 verse 27, the Bible said, no man can enter into a strong man's house and spoil his goods except he first bind the strong man. And Satan is strong. When it comes to keeping people in bondage, when it comes to keeping people in addictions, when it comes to keeping people away from the gospel, Satan is very strong at it. And so we have to pray and bind him. God sent Moses to the land of Israel in the book of Exodus chapter 5 to go and bring them out. When they went, there was Satan in the form of Pharaoh. He said, let my people go that they may serve me. Pharaoh said, who is God? Who born you and God? Wherever to hell with you and your God. The people are going nowhere. Times you reach out to people. You preach the gospel to them. You invite them to church and they are still not responding. There's something that is holding them back. And you need to lose them on the altar of prayer. That's number one. Number two, we said, we must Prayer, because prayer removes the veil, the, the veil, the blindfolding veil of Satan to the gospel from the unsaved. Everyone who is not born again, eh? most of the time we think it's easy. When you are born again, you don't, you look at people who don't fancy church, they don't like God, and you look, you pity them. <laughs> you, in fact, you, they, they look funny for you, but they are not funny people. They are actually suffering without knowing. 
There are things they are going through. When you look at them on the outside, it looks like they are happy. But inwardly, they are dying inside. Praise God. Something in them. There is no legitimate human being who is normal, who does not long for God. There is a God vacuum in all of humanity. Whether you admit it or not, it's in you. It's in every human being. And until you respond, there is always this sense of void and emptiness. No matter what you get, a lot of people try filling that void with wealth. A lot of people try filling it with positions. A lot of people try filling it with all kinds of things. But the more you fill it, the emptier it becomes. Why? Because only God can fill that void. And I pray that anyone around us whose void needs to be filled, God will use you as a channel. Can somebody give me a belief in amen? amen? Paul was speaking, he says, the people who are not refusing our gospel, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 3 to 4, he said, if our gospel is hid, people who don't buy it into the gospel, people who insult pastors, people who say the church doesn't matter, when they talk like that, it's because the Bible said they are lost. It is hid from them who are lost. Verse 4, he said, for the, in whom the God of this world had blinded the minds of them which believe not. That's why they don't believe. How can you be teaching people that this is how to keep your lung alive or well, your liver well, and you yourself, you are addicted to the alcohol bottle? How can you? Because you are blinded. How can you? You know so much about, uh, what do you call it? Sexually transmitted diseases. And you counsel people out of HIV. But you have multiple sexual partners. How can you say that? It's because you are blinded. And that veil can only be taken off in prayer. You don't counsel people out of that veil. You take it out in prayer. Number three, prayer creates opportunity to share the gospel, stops opposition to the gospel, and allows the gospel to flow freely and fruitfully. It creates opportunities. It what? Creates opportunity. The more you pray for someone, the, the quicker or the faster the opportunity becomes created for you to share the gospel with them. Every time, every time. When you begin to pray for someone, that opportunity will come. Either they will have a certain problem and they will look to you for the solution or somewhere, somehow, they will get connected to you. You have a dream about them, you call them and you tell them and they will affirm it. And once they affirm it, they come they become aware of themselves. God has a way of getting people's attention in diverse ways. Sometimes they fall into a calamity and you will be right on hand to assist. Opportunities are created when prayer is invested. When we pray for people, opportunities are created. And then when we pray for people, the gospel it stops oppositions to the gospel. Every time God gives us opportunity to share the gospel, oppositions also come. Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 16 verse 9, he said, a great door, an effectual is open unto me, and there are many adversaries. In the book of Acts chapter 7, 13 verse 7, Paul had the opportunity to present the gospel to one of the noble men in society. A ruler. And the Bible said, while he was presenting the gospel, there was this demoniac who was there, which was a deputy of the country, Sergius Paulus, a prudent man, who called for Paul, Barnabas, and Saul and desired to hear the word of God. Look at verse 8. It says, But Elimus the sorcerer, somebody say Elimus the sorcerer. For Saul was his name by interpretation. We stood them seeking to turn away the deputy from the faith. When one deputy, when one person in prominence 
gets to hear the gospel and get saved. Many others are affected by it. Because if he tells you in this company, uh, this morning, we are going to have a devotion. You are a Muslim cleric. Well, you are working here. Devotion, you are part. Am I communicating? That's why people of influence can be very useful tools to reach the gospel. You are running your own business. You operate your own office. God has brought you into a certain caliber. Use it to convert multitudes to the Lord. Don't just sit there and chop posts. The Bible says, verse 9. Then Paul, angered by the spirit. Quick, verse 9 please. Same place, verse 9. Then Saul, who was called Paul, filled with the Holy Ghost, set his eyes on him. Verse 10. And said, oh, you fool of all subtlety and mischief. Thou child of the devil, thou enemy of righteousness, would thou cease to perfect the right ways of the Lord. Verse. And now he said, the rest is history. Let's leave it with him. When we pray for people, the gospel also goes. The right message. The more you pray for people, they will be there. I say, ah. Praise God. That opportunity comes. The right message comes to them. Look at what the Bible says in 2 Thessalonians 3 verse 1. He said, finally, brethren, pray for us that the word of God may have free cause and be glorified. Even as it is with you. What does it mean for the word of God to be glorified? It means for it to be fruitful and productive. When the word becomes glorified, it yields results. Can somebody give me an amen? amen? Number four, prayer gives utterance and boldness to preach the gospel. Prayer, it gives utterance. In the book of Ephesians chapter 6, verse 18 and 19, it said, praying always, praying always. Somebody say, praying always. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all sins. I like verse 19. And pray for me also that utterance may be given unto me that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel. When we pray, utterance is given. The right word. We are talking about family and friends. That day, as I'm speaking, you are already targeting some friends. You are inviting them. And beyond the invitation, you are praying for them. Lord, on this day, put your right word in the mouth of your servant. Cause him to touch on the right keys that will convict these ones so that they will be saved. That's prayer. That's prayer. We are going on an outreach and you are praying, Lord, anybody I meet today, put the right word on my mouth. That's prayer. Sinners cannot resist the authority of the word when it is prayer. Prayer is invested in it. And finally, as I close, Prayer brings conviction upon sinners, causing a positive response to the gospel. Prayer. When we pray, sinners are convicted. When we pray, sinners are convicted. It's amazing. Sometimes when I stand here and I make altar call and some people respond. And sometimes I've, I've thought that all these people were saved all along. But conviction has come. And they are making the most effective decision of their lives. Prayer brings conviction. In the book of Acts, we are told, when Jesus told them to wait, they waited in the upper room for days in prayer. When the Holy Ghost came, the Bible said, Peter began to preach. Acts chapter 2, verse 37 to 38. And when they had, they heard this, they were pricked in their heart. They were what? Pricked in their heart. And said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do that we might be saved?
that we might yeah what shall we do then peter said that go to 38 then peter said unto him repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of jesus for the remission of sins and you shall receive the gift of the holy ghost praise god the chief convictor of sin is the holy ghost somebody said the chief convictor sometimes people forget that and then they, they, they criticize pastors a lot because they lack an understanding. They think it's a pastor who preaches or someone who preaches hot. You are going to hell. You will die tomorrow. No, you see, they, they think it's the harshness of the message. You know, it's not the harshness of the message or the callousness of the preacher. No. So they say, ah, so what's someone who teaching the And they are, you are going to hell. You are dying tomorrow. No. All of those are great messages if they are given by the Spirit of God. But those necessary don't change people. It's the Holy Ghost who convicts people. The Holy Ghost convicts people. So, I can preach on prosperity, but when I finish and I make altar call, somebody will still respond to the gospel. Why? Because it's not my business. It's his business. Am I communicating here? It's so important. This is a prayer platform. And I pray that in this week of fasting and prayer, we will all begin to engage it. Make it a prayer project. First July. How many people do you desire saved? Some of them you know, some of them you don't know them. Begin to pray for them. List out their names. Pray for them in the fast. Pray for them. Their outreaches. Pray for them. That's the first key. Next week, I'll touch on key number two. Close your eyes. Close your eyes. In the next minute, if I want you to pray, now put your hand on your heart and say, Lord, open your mouth and speak to God. The grace to pursue the lost. The grace to pray for the lost, starting from your family. Shall we please rise on our feet? The grace to... Oko Shagaba, Randi Bosa. The grace to contribute to your quota for the salvation of lost souls. Close your eyes, please. Pastor Afuakwa has just placed in your hands the key for all-round victory, success, and limitless prosperity. To get a copy of other messages as well as books by Pastor Afuakwa, please call 020-422-5790 or 027-422-5790 or email us at faithhousechapel at yahoo.com Get interactive with Pastor Afuakwa on Facebook and Twitter. You can also visit our website www.faithhousechapel.com for any other information. Fellowship with us this and every Sunday for our two English services, 6.30 to 8 a.m. fair service, 8.30 to 10.30 a.m. second service, and on Tuesdays for our word encounter service, 6 to 8 p.m. at our church auditorium on the top floor of Nanaama Ejakuma Plaza opposite the Unity Oil Station Santase Runabout, Kumase Ghana. God richly bless you. In one word, one word.